It's 970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Harford Edge, keeping you on the cutting edge of what's new in Harford County and beyond. I'm co-host Jennifer Button from the Harford County Public Library, and that is Bob Mumby. The Harford Edge is brought to you each week by your Harford County Public Library. Today, we'll be speaking with Kathy Schmidt, Executive Director of Chesapeake Therapeutic Writing. That's easy for you to say. Oh my goodness, tongue twister. Um, We'll be talking about the beautiful work that they're doing. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. It's Friday. It's beautiful outside. Yes, and you know what? Instead of me griping this morning, um, I'm going to, instead of us talking about what annoys us, um, a little thing about what pleased us this week. Well, that's a good change of pace. Yes. I had the privilege of uh, getting a, a quick tour yesterday, myself and my business partner, Craig Ward, um, of the uh, the new Habit of Grace Opera House. And um, it is beautifully done. And they have their opening week next week or... The week after, and actually, we should talk about getting them on the show, at least for a quick interview, because it's right across the street from the new library, mm-hmm. and they they've really done a great job on this. They have a great lineup of acts. Uh, they have some, two great musical acts, Tidewater Players, doing a review. Um, there's uh, there's a film. Uh, they're doing a film festival, and this is so great for the county, so great. As you know, part of my hobby is being in the music business, trying to bring great music to the county. And what these folks have done is just really, really admirable. They um, Four years ago only, they decided they they wanted to do it. They planned it. They raised the money. Um, and hold on, we have Kathy Schmidt has just arrived. Kathy has entered the building. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Good morning, Kathy. Kathy, as we've already announced, is our um, is our guest today about Chesapeake Therapeutic Riding and their amazing work. And we're going to talk to her for about seven hours about it because we have a million questions. <laughs> Yay! Um, but um, and I'm glad she's here because she's going to help me with trivia. But uh, we were just talking about good news instead of bad news in the Avenue like Opera that. House. I got a tour of it yesterday. These folks. They, they saw, they raised, they planned, they executed. And it's only been four years. And we are excited. Not one dollar of salary paid for staff. All volunteers. Wow. All the money went towards the project. That's amazing. And it's done. And they've really done a great job. The sound is great. Uh, the seating is great. There's a black box theater. There's a gallery area and a 200-seat main theater. And um, if you like the Beatles... Uh, there's a band that's uh, they're called Relive the Beatles. I've seen them before. We just bought tickets. Um, they're playing in a few weeks there, and you would not believe how great they are. So hats off to the Havre Grace Opera House folks and the Havre Grace Arts Collective. That's what it's all about. Wonderful. I Team, can't wait. Normally we gripe at this, oh, this segment. No griping. It's Friday. Okay. <laughs> that's right. The, I, I'm not going to mention the guy who cut me off and then went 20. <laughs> Uh, kind of had the same or the experience. Woman who was texting, uh, looking down in her lap while driving, well, operating a 3,000 pound <laughs> weapon, mm-hmm. but not looking at the road. Yes. Yeah. So we won't talk about that. <laughs> okay, so that's good. And welcome, Kathy, and you're going to help me with trivia now. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. I know I need to start giving harder trivia if he's going to start getting help from all of our guests every week. <laughs> Well, you know, if you don't know the right answer, just make one up. That's right. <laughs> You've been done before. All right. um, okay. So, uh, in the 1986 blockbuster, Top Gun, which actress played Goose's wife? Ooh, that's... Uh, I was gonna, I had Kelly McGillis coming out already, oh, no. but she was... Uh, she was Tom Cruise's girl. Goose's wife. Yes. Oh, uh, not the... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to know. I'm, what's her initials? M.R. 
Meg Ooh. Ryan. Meg Ryan. It is Meg Ryan. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Good job, Kathy. Woohoo. She was my I favorite. I needed help with the initials. She was my favorite. <laughs> I could probably uh, recite every line of that movie. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I could probably insert every line of her diner scene in. Um, <laughs> I'll bet you could, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> when Harry my Met best Sally. Friend, or what is it with Billy Crystal? When Harry uh, Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't, don't you, do that on air, Bob. You know, <laughs> yeah, really? No, no. That's, that's reserved for us. It, it sounds weird when a man does it. <laughs> but, you know, um, the funny thing is the best line was a throw-in line a- after she did that. Right. The woman at the next table. Yeah. I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's yeah. having. Wasn't that uh, Rob Reiner's mom? Rob Reiner's mom. Oh, well, no wonder she has good comedic timing. <laughs> she had to get it from somewhere. Right, right. <laughs> That was so... <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Um, so thank you for the help on that one. In 1967, what band released the hit song Ruby Tuesday? Well, I was four. <laughs> I wasn't born. <laughs> Ruby Tuesday. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards. Oh. Brian. The Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Very good. And then they ruined it by naming a bad fast restaurant after it <laughs> yeah really um obviously not one of wamd sponsors <laughs> not anymore <laughs> good marketing technique right? sorry you mary and libby we don't let him out much <laughs> i guess that naming uh deal is, is no longer gonna happen oh, again um, this is not the editorial view of the station or the sponsor purely of one of the on-air personalities, or lack thereof. Um, In 1998, what Major League Baseball player broke the single-season home run record previously set by Roger Maris? Uh, Baseball's... Mark McGuire. It is Mark McGuire. There you go. I wouldn't have even gotten it if you had the initials. I wouldn't either. I'm more of a football girl. Yeah, well, you know, to me, baseball's 10 minutes of action packed into three hours. Exactly. I do, I exactly. do like going to the Iron Burns game, though, because yes. it's way more casual. And yes. It's not. It's a beautiful love game. Baseball. Yes. I love baseball. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa that year, uh, they both broke his single-season record the same year, and it's since been revealed that they were... Enhanced? Um, they were... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They were, they were ready to, to burst, um, and their heads had grown to three times the size. All right, so, well, now that, I've, now that I've warmed you up a little bit, okay. give you some tougher questions. What is the name of the world's highest uninterrupted waterfall, and in what country is it located? Uh, it's in South America. Yes, it is. It's maybe... Uh, in Venezuela? No. It is in Venezuela. Uh, Angel Falls? Yes. Good job. Good job. Worked your way through that one. Yeah, I had a I had to piece that one together. <laughs> Great movie um in uh the um the the, the um ugh. Temptation of Christ by um Martin Scorsese with Daniel Day-Lewis. Last mm-hmm. Temptation of Christ. Mm-hmm. Beautiful scene shot there. What was the full name of British novelist C.S. Lewis? Oh. I had no idea. I'll be honest. This was this stumped me. Um. The initials are C.S. C.S. <laughs> if you tell me one of them, I'll get the other one. Clive. No, I won't. <laughs> it is Clive Staples Lewis. Oh, you know what? That just rolls off the tongue, you could, right? You could have given me an hour. I wouldn't have gotten that. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, how many states are needed to ratify an amendment for it to become part of the Constitution? 30, 16, 32. You're close. 33. 38. Oh. 38 out of 50. Which is like 33, but five more. <laughs> 75%. I was thinking 67. I don't like having you on the show. Today. I round it up. I round it up. <laughs> If I don't know the answers, I just... (laughs) Yeah, you know what? You peaked when you knew that first one. (laughs) Yeah, really. It's all downhill from here. All right, well, if you want to make up an answer, which animal has the largest brain? Oh. Um, the whale. Yes. The sperm whale. It's 
brain weighs approximately 17 pounds. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, didn't Sammy Sosa and Mark yeah. weigh the same that year? Maybe. Yeah, exactly. They're, they look like the Michelin tire man. <laughs> The cooking technique that involves submerging food in a liquid at a relatively low temperature is called what? Poaching. Yes. Ooh. Aha! You didn't expect me to get that one. I did not. Do you know what it's called if you put it in a bag and cook it at a relatively low temperature? Um. Um. I. Uh, no. Placenta poaching. <laughs> it's called the Martha Stewart nightmare. Yes. It's called sous vide. Oh, no. No, not Just a like chance. Stump him. Um, last one. What French sculpture created the Statue of Liberty? Oh, man. You couldn't ask me, like, you know, Garibaldi or. No. Pepe Le Pew. Um, Liber um Liberty leading the people. So the name of the French sculptor was Frédéric Augusta Bartholdi. Oh, didn't I say Bartholdi? No. What did I say? Uh, I think you, you just rambled. <laughs> no, I said Bartholdi. <laughs> no, I don't think no, you so. said Garibaldi. Garibaldi, same thing. Which close. is like Bartholdi. So close, 33, 38, Garibaldi. <laughs> it's going to be a fun show today. You know, they, um, it wasn't green when it started. I know that. It's because the copper iodized. And they made... I just he, saw the thunder. It was pink. And, and it was, yes, it was rainbow colored. No, he, um, he actually sculpted wood and then banged um, the, the copper sheeting um, to, it, to, to mold it to it. Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in the Statue of Liberty? I have not, but I have seen its companion piece when I was in Paris, which was pretty amazing. Oh, in the middle of uh, the Seine? Yes. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, when I, I was in New York City in 1980, and the statue was closed for repair, so mm -hmm. we could only get in the base, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Can you still go up to the top? I don't know. There was a while that you couldn't, and then I think they reopened it. Yeah. Uh, when I was three, we... There was an actual spiral staircase into one of the right. crown mm -hmm. spikes, and I don't know if that's open. I know they shut a lot down after 911, and I don't know where they, where they took it from there. Um, okay, well that's good, uh, and we're going to do uh, uh, we're going to do some more knowledge stuff, but I think we're going to do it in the third segment and this is how to not get a job it's very important i know you're looking oh this sounds fun to, uh, you, you, i could tell you stories yeah well you, you probably will uh me too add, you will add to this then um uh one actually said asked what the um what what the drug testing policy was Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. and he Another one said he, he left his last job because he had to be in by 8.30 and he refused to work under those conditions. <laughs> I've actually had people tell me that. Okay, well, we're going to do a segment on that. You can stick around to the end, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Good. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Kathy Schmidt, Executive Director of Chesapeake Therapeutic Riding, about the beautiful work they're doing. Help your child build a better world with Harford County Public Library's Summer Reading Challenge. Studies show that children who participate in public library summer reading programs score higher on reading achievement tests at the beginning of the new school year. Experience less summer reading loss and begin the new school year with more confidence. The Harford County Public Library Summer Reading Program, designed from children from birth through high school, will ignite your child's imagination and inspire a lifetime love of reading. Register now at hcplonline.org or any Harford County Public Library branch. Each registered reader will receive a commemorative tote bag filled with Summer Reading Challenge sponsors information and coupons. Upon completion of the Summer Reading Program, all children will receive a certificate of completion and a special gift plus a ticket voucher for an Aberdeen Iron Birds game on August 8th or 24th. For more information and to check out all the special events happening at your library throughout the summer, go to hcplonline.org. 
or pick up a copy of the headlines and happening at any of the library's 13 branches. Help your child build a better world with Harford County Public Library's Summer Reading Challenge. Harford County Public Library Foundation 13th Annual Gala, La La Library, and Evening in the Stacks will be held Saturday, November 4th at 7 p.m. at the Abington Library. Tickets will go on sale Monday, August 14th at 11.04 a.m. at eveninginthestacks.org. The Gala, Harford County Public Library Foundation's signature event, welcomes more than 600 guests each year and features an extensive menu of hors d'oeuvres and drinks, entertainment by mood swings, a live and silent auction. This year's theme, La La Library, focuses on the timeless and classic old Hollywood song and dance days. Sponsorships, which include tickets to the gala, are available starting at just $750. To purchase a sponsorship, contact Nina Depkin at D-E-P-K-I-N-N at hcplonline.org. Proceeds from the event will support a wide range of programs and resources, including new technologies, community outreach, and stream programs an innovative new space, and collections that will offer customers of all ages the opportunity to explore, create, discuss, and learn. For more information about Lala Library, visit eveninginthestacks.org. Welcome back. I'm co-host Jennifer Button from the Harford County Public Library, and that is Bob Mumby, and this is the Harford Edge. We're delighted to have Kathy Schmidt, Executive Director of Chesapeake Therapeutic Writing, in the studio with us. And it's truly a gem in our community, and we're so thankful for the work that Kathy and her team are doing. Kathy, welcome. Good morning again. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Bob. Good morning. Thank you for all the kind words as well. Well, thank you for what you you and your team does. It's fantastic. Um, and before we st embarrass you with uh, <laughs> something, um, well, we're going to ask you for a quick Tell us who you are, how you got here. Sure. We're going to start it off that when you were four, your first crush was secret Secretariat. Actually, it, it was when I was 10, but oh, you know, okay. it's, it's like four, but different. Okay. Uh, no, I, I've been a lifelong horse person. Uh, well, actually, I've been a lifelong horseman. Uh, it's much, much more elevated than a horse person. And I've always had a horse in my life, and when I... Uh, had the idea of starting this business I was encouraged not to because people told me don't don't make what you love your work because then you'll hate it and I always thought that was kind of a silly thing that if you do what you love then you know you can really pour your passion into it so I've always had horses in my life and I've always believed that people who don't get to be around horses uh, should have that opportunity so the special needs community is uh, one of the communities that we targeted uh, with our with our herd, herd of donated horses. Now, please don't ring our phones off the hook with your horses to donate. Our, we've got just enough horses to do what we need to do. So that's one of the things that we do through therapeutic riding. The other thing is we offer hippotherapy, which is physical therapy on horseback. We can work with children and adults where the horse's movement is used to facilitate improvements in the client. And that's a little different than therapeutic riding where the participants are actually learning riding skills. We have horse-powered learning. We're the only farm in the mid-Atlantic region that offers an educational program, farm-based education program, that helps with reading, math, and science skills. And we are a designated destination for Harford County Public Schools for their middle school children to come out on a field trip. And we, we were just designated last fall, so we're working to build that up because uh, this upcoming school year is wide open as far as destinations are concerned. We also offer unmounted activities in leadership workshops through professional development with local nonprofit organizations and corporations. We've worked with several in the county as well as uh, local government. And we offer workshops for the public to participate in grief and bereavement workshops for children and adolescents as well as adults. And we offer women's empowerment workshops as, and that is designed to give women a chance to, um, let's just say, let their hair down <laughs> and explore ways that, and of self-care. And oftentimes, we're not very good at that. 
so we've, you know, over the years, we were incorporated in 2003 and, and put our first rider in the saddle in 2005. So we've served well over 2,000 participants in the community since then. And we offer plenty of volunteer opportunities. And I always consider our volunteers as participants, too, because they benefit from the relationship with the horses and the knowledge that they gain. And also they feel good about themselves with some of the direct service projects and lessons that we have during the year. And we do operate year-round, which is a little different. Um, we're, we take little breaks around the holidays, but other than that, the horses eat every day, they need to be cared for every day, and we're always looking for unique ways to engage them in activities. That's one of the reasons our herd has been so healthy over the years, um, and they are so well behaved, is because they get a lot of variety in the programming that we do. So they, they don't get burned out, they don't get sour, and they get along really, really well, and they're very, very gentle animals. So, so I look forward to going to work every day. So let's stop you for a second. How do folks find out more? How do they ask about, find out about volunteering? How do they donate their time or their money? Um, get questions answered? We, we have www.ctrchanginglives.org. That is the point to go to for any information that you need. Uh, we have an electronic newsletter. We don't sell the list, so if you wish to sign up for that, you can find the contact information on our website as well. But we think we, we've listed all of our uh, programming on the website and have a brief explanation about everything that we do. Um, so we invite the, the public to go to the website, look around, and if you have any questions, let us know. CTRchanginglives.org. And if you're driving, don't stop. Don't <laughs> write it down now. But remember it, or if, if not, and you know you know me and my email address, just email me uh, that you want to be on the mailing list, and we'll just forward Thanks, it Bob. along to Kathy. Well, we also have a Facebook page, okay. and uh, we're very active in social media. So if you want to like us on Facebook, that's a good way to, to keep in touch as well. So it's CTR, and then type in Abingdon, Maryland. That's where our post office box is. Our farm is not there. It's in the... Jarrettsville Forest Hill area, but since the post office box is there, that was an easy way to to give us a, a central location. Okay. Where is the farm exactly? It's we're uh, near Rock State Park, and it's just over the line from Forest Hill into Jarrettsville. But if you say Jarrettsville, that's such a huge zip code area. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't. People think you're really far north in the county, but we are just minutes from downtown Bel Air. Is it just north of Four Corners? Uh, yes. Okay, where yes. the old post office is in the old Kleins. And... Yep. Okay, very good. Um, and let's talk about, um, I want to talk about um, the herd first. <laughs> My co-workers. Victor. Yes. Tilly. Sally. Captain. Um, and Foxy? Yes. Okay. And Buttons. And Buttons, is that the uh, pony? Yes, Buttons is our, our miniature. And she is, she, she's the one that we take to the, our library functions. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you to the friends of Hartford County Public Library for their generous donations that have allowed us to bring Buttons to local library branches to do Trails and Tales as part of the summer reading program. So Buttons, she's uh, a miniature pony. Uh, she was born in 1999, so she's 18 years old. And uh, she weighs about 300 pounds. And she's just the cutest thing you ever want to see. She's cute as a button. She is. And she's got a great attitude. Uh, she's She loves people. And she's very willing to do what we ask of her. But she, is, she does have a little spark in her, too. So she's always surprising us with the things that she does. But we've taken her to assisted living facilities, nursing homes. Uh, she's actually ridden the elevator numerous times at Citizens Care in Habit of Grace. So, you know, she can walk into a room full of equipment and not destroy anything, which is always a plus. <laughs> but she she is, we don't ride her because of her height, 
but she, her, her personality makes her ideal for uh, traveling and visiting places where a, a regular sized horse really wouldn't fit or be appropriate. But we also work with her in horse powered learning because she has such a great personality and she is really, really interested in the work and she makes it a lot of fun. Okay, uh, each horse, I'm going to give you their name. You give me one word to describe them. All right. Tilly. Uh, intelligent. Sally. Cute. Victor. Quarterback. Captain. Regal. Buttons. Well, <laughs> and Fo indescribable. And Foxy. Diva. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. And now, since you made me cry when I read your note about this, about her, we're going to go a little two-second tribute to Crystal. Oh. Um, and for everything she did, not only for her relationship with you, but the thousands of people's people whose lives, whose lives, she made better. Crystal, when did Crystal cross over about two years ago? Yeah, Crystal. Um, we said goodbye to her in early October of 2015, and she had such a rich life. She was one of those horses that she was a grade horse. So she didn't she didn't have any specific registration. She was a quarter horse, Arab, Morgan mix. But she was so versatile and she had such a sweet personality. And everyone who owned Crystal loved her and always made sure that the next step that she took in her career was rewarding and that she was safe and well cared for. So we feel very honored that Crystal spent the last days of, of her life and her career with us at CTR. It was it was hard to say goodbye to her, but it was the right thing to do. And anybody that has animals knows that that's not the easiest decision in the world to make, but their quality of life is very important to all yeah. of us. Amen. God bless her. God bless her. And um, is it true they say the mixes are the sanest? You know, um, I have to agree with that. I, I feel that way about dogs too. Uh, that although all of our other horses are, you know, Victor and, and Captain are registered quarter horses, and Tilly and Foxy are registered paints. Um, I, a lot depends on their personality, but I really think that the horses that are not registered breeds do have a lot of value and a lot of uh, things that they contribute to to everyday work. So I have. I, we don't we don't look for registered horses necessarily. It's what the horse is and how they are that's most important to us. Uh, that's that's great. And we're going to spend a lot of time on your programs or your upcoming events, and, and other uh, other opportunities. But we can't not mention Tucker. Oh, <laughs> who's Tucker? So Tucker the farm cat has been on sabbatical <laughs> at my house, much to the chagrin of my house cats since August of 2013. Uh, we were located in Habit of Grace and um, we were moving to a temporary facility and they already had a cat. So, you know, when you have an animal, and, and anybody that's an animal lover in our audience knows that, you know, you are their steward. You just can't say, oh, well, we don't know what to do with them and set them free. So, Tucker was, is a champion mouser and hunter and he's also a great ambassador because he would come and visit the families as they were sitting and watching therapeutic riding lessons. He loved the horses. He especially loved Victor, who's our tallest horse, and Victor loved him, who, Victor, who loves small things. So Tucker was found on the side of the road in Perry Hall, and we had just euthanized our, our farm cat. She had kidney failure that we couldn't bring her back from. and. Um, through one of those email threads, you know, people knew that we had would said goodbye to, to Mrs. B, and they kept sending me emails about stray cats. And this particular one really grabbed me because he had one eye. So I met the family, and I told them, you know, what his job would be because he had to have a useful purpose in life. 
and they they said they wanted to think about it and then called me back the next day and they brought him up to the farm and uh, through the generosity of our benefactors and volunteers we raised the money to uh, fix his eye it looked like he got in a uh, fight with something and it tore his eye out so he had to have been in extreme pain and even being in pain he was just the sweetest cat and he realized that he was saved and he's he's just been such a great animal so he's been living with me and uh, he he still is a champion mouser and quite the hunter but we kind of have to segregate my household right now <laughs> and when they said Tucker, keep an eye out for the horses. He took it literally. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then we also tell people that cat scans are free. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, that was a good one-up. Um, where do we start? Hippotherapy. Uh, let's stop, let me stop you for one sec. CTRChangingLives.org. Kathy Schmidt, uh, the executive director. Were you uh, executive director or CEO? Of Chesapeake Therapeutic Riding. Oh, I guess technically Everything. executive director, head stall mucker. You know, but, you know, sometimes the CEO and executive director are interchangeable. It depends on what form you're filling out. Or what form you want to avoid filling out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, hippotherapy. Physical therapy on horseback. Tell us about that. Well, hippotherapy, the the term comes from hippo is the Greek derivative of the word horse. So hippopotamus is river loosely, horse. Right, loosely translated river horse. So with hippotherapy, people tend to call the horse the tool. Well, you can't call a sentient being a tool. Be, well, you can, but it wouldn't be appropriate. So it's the movement of I the horse. I have some folks I would call tools. But. <laughs> I do too, but I was being polite. <laughs> Uh, the, the movement of the horse is what facilitates improvements in the client. So how that can benefit is if you go to physical therapy, you, you use a table, a ball, a bolster. You can use weights to facilitate improvements in yourself. And we work with a licensed pediatric physical therapist who works full-time for Maryland School for the Blind, and she's worked part-time for us for seven years now. And we can work with children and adults, but because our physical therapist is so versed in working with people with special needs, uh, th that's a combination that few can compare. Hippotherapy is definitely a specialty. We have some clients who will always be hippotherapy clients, but we have some clients who partake in hippotherapy and then they move into therapeutic riding. Now the difference between the two is Hippotherapy is physical therapy conducted by a licensed professional. Therapeutic riding is considered therapeutic recreation and lessons are conducted by a registered therapeutic riding instructor. So there is a bit of a difference. One is recreation, one is actually therapy. And, but they do kind of dovetail together. He health insurance may or may not pay for, for hippotherapy. We're self-pay, so uh, we provide you with the information to submit to your insurance company for coverage. Uh, but a lot of times, anything that's related to a horse is deemed experimental. So the horse is considered a dynamic mobile surface. But because it is a horse and you have to disclose that, uh, it may not be covered. Hmm. So we ask people to check with their health insurance company before... They, they come to us because we are self-pay. Anything, any progress on getting the certification moved along for that type of thing? Well, you know, the healthcare discussion in this com country at this point in time is a little prickly. Not exactly a fluid, collaborative <laughs> environment no, right now. No, no, like everything else, it just, it's like turning the Queen Mary around. It takes time. Okay, and um, equine experiences. Well, equine experiences are field trips out to the farm. We, they're unmounted because we never want our services to appear as though it's a pony ride. Because pony rides are for fairs and birthday parties. What we do has value. And not that pony rides at fairs don't have value, it's a different value. So the equine experiences were developed to bring different groups of people onto the farm to learn a little bit about 
basic horsemanship and horse care. So that could be everything from my favorite thing, mucking stalls, where I solve all the problems of the world, to learning what a horse eats, how much they eat, weighing the horse. We use a, a weight tape around the horse to keep track of that. Uh, they work with the horse in learning how to lead it properly, some of the different equipment that we use on the horses with halters and lead ropes and we also add an element of fun to it. They may be building an obstacle course out of the equipment that we have in the arena and then they get to lead their horse through it so it's always kind of thrilling when a thousand pound animal does what you're asking them to do. And then on hot days, uh, for instance we have a, a group coming out on Monday morning uh, I'm hoping it'll be cool enough that they can still come and we don't have to reschedule. But we plan things that involve water. And that's usually, um, after grooming the horses, what we'll do is we'll take paint that we've mixed with dishwashing liquid and we'll paint the horses. And you get to be really creative with your horse. And then we give them a bath, which is also fun and very cool to do in both ways. And then we turn the horses out and usually take bets on who's going to roll first and get themselves all dirty again. So it's, it, it's connecting people with horses in a, a very um, intimate, close, up close and personal way that they probably wouldn't get a chance to do because, you know, you see them on the side of the road or, you know, in a pasture and you don't necessarily stop or mm -hmm. pet them or anything. Talk uh, for a minute on that because I know, with the like, for instance, with the Boys and Girls Club, one of the things that most makes a difference in these kids lives is when they're allowed and uh to be a leader um because they're not used to that and they learn so much from it it does so much for their 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 self-image for, for their wisdom their self-discipline and that when they're just even if they're mentoring uh, if it's a 14 year old mentoring a bunch of 10 year olds um it, so it's a, I, I'm guessing it's a lot like what the beneficial effects of being with these horses is. It gives the, it gives these folks a, a physical and I guess a psychological comfort that it's a it's a being that they have a a good relationship with that understands them. Uh, that probably wasn't a great way to tee it up, but talk about the importance of that with the, with this therapy that does for folks. Well, you, you teed it up perfectly. When you're working with such a large animal, especially one that is not an everyday familiar animal, you, there's a, a sense of self-esteem that gets bolstered. Your self-confidence is built. Uh, just the physical activity. You know, we, when you look at youth today, they spend so much time looking at their screens. So their posture is poor. The communication skills are poor. Their interpersonal skills need some work as well. Well, with the horses, you, know, you can't be playing on your cell phone and working with the horses because you need both your hands, both your feet, and you need to be paying attention. Like those pictures I sent you of my last visit there. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, Bob, I laughed out loud when I saw those pictures. Just just so your, your audience knows. Bob very kindly sent me about half a dozen pictures of riders being unseated <laughs> from their horses. <laughs> and any true horse person has been there, done that, and has the pictures. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. Hopefully nobody was hurt. In the <laughs> in but, it didn't look like it. But it is, it is a powerful experience. And one of the things, one of our challenges is it's really hard to describe the experience and have whoever you're talking to fully understand the impact, you have to experience it firsthand. And that kind of speaks to a, a larger picture in the nonprofit world is that we all need funding in order to work together so these partnerships can be formed so that groups like the Boys and Girls Club can come out on a regular basis because we find that the consistent attendance at, at the different activities that we have, that leads to greater satisfaction than anything as opposed to the once and done. Mm -hmm. So we face challenges with uh, transportation in the county. Uh, the kids that would make the, the best volunteers have a tough time getting from those neighborhoods out 
to help us. So, you know, there's that challenge. And it's a time challenge. Our, our kids are really, really busy, and so are the parents. So it's really hard to devote that regular time every week to come and participate as a volunteer as well. Okay, well, uh, let's stop there for a sec. Uh, as far as the um, folks being able to help make this great work continue, um, on the website, it's, is it easy for folks to see how to contribute some money or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we have a, a drop-down page that says Get Involved. And there's a, a, tons of ways to get involved through volunteering, through making a donation. Uh, like I mentioned before, we have the e-newsletter the e that we send out on a monthly basis. I'm the editor of that, so I'm always refreshing photographs and, and stuff that's going on with us. Um, so it, we try to make our website as dynamic and interactive as possible. And, and uh, if I'm out there and I'm someone uh, who um, owns a business or is running a, a business, large or medium or small, and I have some, uh, I'm really attracted by this opportunity, um, is it just someone not to bury you with phone calls? So ch so ch uh, should someone give you a ring if they have like an idea for a program or some way they'd like to give? Or do they, do you encourage that or are you going to get 80 phone calls a day with really? Uh, 80 phone calls a day with people who want to help? I would welcome. <laughs> okay, what's your number? Our, our number is 443-528-7793. Okay. So ways to help are volunteering. And I'm not talking about a three-hour project on a Saturday morning where everybody shows up works for about 10 minutes, gets a free t-shirt, and eats some pizza and feels good about themselves. There's a, there's a place for that. It's just not CTR. We're looking for those volunteers who are committed to serving people with special needs, who want to learn themselves about the, the needs in the lesson, but also the needs with the horses to, to help get them ready for lessons. It's not glamorous work. You get dirty. It's hot, it's cold, it's wet. So we, we need those brave souls who are also open to learning something new. Other ways to help, of course, are unrestricted donations so that we're, we can do the work that we do. We have a PayPal button. Uh, you can also send a check to our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 475 in Abingdon, 21009. Uh, that is... That's a way to financially support us if you, if you don't want to get the hands-on experience but you want to know that what you're doing is making a difference. That's one way of doing it. The other way is partake of our services. Become a client of ours. It could be participating in therapeutic riding. Perhaps you know of a family who has a child or an adult who can benefit from therapeutic riding. One of the best ways is if your company does pay for professional development for their staff, give me a call. We can tailor our professional development workshops to what your precise needs are. And we can provide you with testimonials from other companies that we have worked with. And that's that goes true with the nonprofit sector as well as the for-profit sector. And the government sector, I would assume. Well, yes, we actually had an opportunity to work with the local uh, government entity, and they're still talking about it. And are those testimonials on the website? I have not put them up on the website yet. Uh, I wear a lot of hats, and uh, if you call me, I will provide them to you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just run out of time during the day, Bob. Well, you only, there's only, you know, you have the energy of eight people, but unfortunately <laughs> not the energy of ten people. There, there I am, being a slacker again. <laughs> Um, and tell us about um, uh, the Hoofprints and uh, em Embracing You um, programs. So Hoofprints started out as grief and bereavement workshops for children and adolescents. As, as adults, I, I'm making a general assumption by saying you know, we have an easier time processing through the grief process when you lose someone or a pet or a job, um, 
And children have a different way of processing things. So we wanted them to have a safe, non-judgmental environment in which to work through the grief process. A lot of kids tend to get stuck. Then it kind of morphed into how can we help not only children but their families as well because the families gave us feedback that uh, they saw a difference in their child and they wanted to participate. So we have some exciting news. We, we were very generous, re uh, re received a generous uh, funding donation through Chesapeake Environmental Management this summer. And we have scheduled sessions, uh, hoofprint sessions, with the Survivor Outreach Services at APG. I had the pleasure of meeting Mike Farlow, who's the coordinator, program coordinator there, last fall at a veterans fair. Yes, we do go to all these fairs and expos and we do network in the community. Um, and Mike came over and was asking us about some of the stuff that we do and he just felt very strongly that this would be the type of programming that would benefit his clients. But being as they're part of the, the military, there is no funding for these families. And, and just so you know, the Survivor Outreach Services provide services to Gold Star families at APG. So when you're at the grocery store or at Target or Walmart, you know, these families are also shopping right next to you. Mm -hmm. And you just don't know it. So we have a series of workshops set up where the surviving members of the family can come out and work through this grief process, having lost a family member at war. And we're very excited about that. But we couldn't do it without funding from the local community because A, we need to pay our people and feed the horses, and B, uh, the, this particular group does not receive funding for this type of programming, even though it will help. So uh, it, t it takes a collaborative effort to make this happen. With Embracing You, this idea came out of the fact that women are not very good at practicing self-care. And in this day and age, how many women do you know are kind of the sandwich generation where they're caring for their children, they're, they're married, they're caring for a spouse, and their, uh, their parents or their in-laws have moved in with them as well. And they're working full-time. And they've been often socialized to blame themselves. Correct. So this is, these are activities that are geared toward looking at the things that they could possibly change in their lives, perhaps letting go a little bit of the guilt, and how it all works with the horses, because that's probably the big question is, why horses? And the answer to that is, horses live in the moment. They live in real time, they give you real time feedback. They're not concerned with what they had for breakfast in the morning. They're not concerned with what's gonna happen at three o'clock in the afternoon. They are very, very present, and we as people really struggle with that. And I'm, I'm guilty of it. It's really hard. When you're having a conversation, how many times have you been talking or listening? Listening, I say in quotes. And your mind is wandering off someplace else. Well, when you work with the horses, you really have to be paying attention. And it gives people kind of a unique opportunity to do some, some introspective research on themselves. We, as a team, we don't have the answer for you. For instance, Jan, I couldn't say, well, if you do this, this will make everything better. Mm -hmm. We give you the opportunity to say, listen, I really need to change some things in my life, and here's some things I think I need to do. And we use metaphor and analogy with the horses in the guided activities to discover that. So it really is discovering things about yourself. And coming up with solutions, but then it's up to you to follow through on it. It's really powerful work. It's a lot of fun. Um, it always it always makes my heart sing when I see people who have been kind of, kind of closed and they really open up once they get around the horses because we never know what the horses are going to do. Mm -hmm. They present something different every time. Do, do I have time to tell one little story about Absolutely. this type of work? Uh, we had the honor to work with a hospice patient, and she was in the end stage of breast cancer. So she knew she was going to die. It was terminal. And before she had, because it spread to her brain, she was starting to lose her faculties. And her best friend had reached out to <clears> me. <throat> and we set up a series of 
sessions with her. And it was very bittersweet knowing that this person was going to die. And it, it was going to be sooner rather than later. And she worked with each of her family members and her best friend in these separate workshops. And one of the things that she had a revelation about, and everybody else did too, was that the grief process begins oftentimes before the person passes away. So they had been doing such a good job of planning what was going to happen after she died. Like what was going to happen to her home and her stuff and her accounts and preparing to die and, and, and they were very matter of fact about everything. So we created um, a situation where they could create obstacles that represented her, pro her dying process. And she went through this particular exercise with her brother. And what had happened was they had to label each obstacle with something that they felt d separately of each other, of this, this process. And there was one particular station. We had two 55-gallon barrels, and the, the instruction was to stand between those two barrels for 15 seconds and at a halt with the horse before moving on. So they, they finished the obstacle course, but we had noticed that when they got to those two 55-gallon barrels, they probably spent a good five minutes or so talking quietly with each other, the horse very quietly reflecting their posture and demeanor. So when we debriefed at the end, we asked them, you know, the instruction was to just pause there for about 10 seconds before moving on, but we noticed that you stood there for, for several minutes. What, what was going on? And she looked at me with just clarity, and she said, I told my brother, we have been doing such a good job of planning my death and what's going to happen afterward, and we, that we've been human doings. We have forgotten to be human beings and just be with each other during this time and appreciate each other. Well, from a professional standpoint, it was really hard not to dissolve into a blubbering mess. But I, I, that happened several years ago, and I have to say that was one of the most uh, striking moments I've ever had in my career with working with horses, as having this woman come to this revelation. And I'm still friends with the family to this day. And, and I guess the horse's presence really facilitated that or enabled that in a lot of ways, either because of the horse's countenance or... Well, in, in this particular instance, she was working with Captain, and Captain is a big uh, quarter horse gelding. He's black. He's got this beautiful heart-shaped star in the middle of his forehead. He's got the kindest brown eyes you've, you'd ever want to see. And he, people are drawn to him because he's, he's big and he's strong yet gentle, and he's very comforting. And it turned out that her horse that she sold when she was diagnosed with the cancer was a big black Tennessee walker with a beautiful star mm -hmm. in the middle of his forehead and I kid you not his name was Captain. Naturally. Mm -hmm. But she didn't know the name of our Captain. She just said he looks like my horse Captain and I'm going to call him Captain. And the uh, co-facilitator and I looked at each other like, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was that, that memory. And that was, that's one of the things that the horses evoke when we take buttons to uh, assisted living facilities and nursing homes is, you know, this was a very agriculturally oriented county. So a lot of the residences are, um, when they see the horse and they smell her, they, have that memory come up again to them about their days. And we've had another short story is we were at Citizens Care and we had taken buttons in the in one of the rooms and there was only one resident in the room and she had uh, was very quiet. It was obvious that she was bedridden and when buttons came in the room she perked up and she started to tell our volunteer about her days on a horse farm and uh, how she trained horses and she rode horses every day but when she got married she had kids and she had gotten away from that but she'd always wanted to get back to horses because they were such an important part of her life and um, 
as I'm standing there, I'm standing next to the activities director, and she's got this big tear rolling down her cheek. And I looked at her and I said, you're going to tell me that you didn't know this about the woman. And she looks at me, she says, Kathy, not only did we not know this about the woman, she never talks. But she had had this entire conversation with our volunteer and with Buttons and telling her story of her childhood just because there was a pony in the room. Well, I come to find out later that the woman, shortly after our visit, she had um, underwent hospice care and then eventually passed away. And the takeaway that I took from that is if I ever end up in a nursing home facility and I'm never coming out, you sure better bring me a pony. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have to be buttons, but... Yeah, but think about this. Here, at the beginning of this woman's life, she had horses in it, and they were so important to her, and she'd gotten away from it. And at the end of her life, just because we thought it was a good idea, and so did the activities department at Citizens Care, this woman got to have a horse in her life again. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, I, I love that. And and that's... Um, we, have, we do have more time, because we started late, and... Um, uh, we let, 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 let's just continue this for a few more minutes because I want to sort of um, uh, put this in context as far as what the two stories you just told about. I mean, you, you can talk about everything that this does, but to have it put into a real uh, example, it just drives it home. Um, it, uh, just for the, the listeners, this is a 970WAMD, and this is the Hartford Edge, Aberdeen, Maryland. Um, as far as seeing it in action, um, uh, you know, I, I want to hear one more story uh, about what was captivating for me, Chucky and Victor. Oh, well, Chucky, gosh, Chucky's grandfather was my next-door neighbor, and before I started Chesapeake Therapeutic Riding, they knew that I had I was planning this because it takes years to put a nonprofit together. And at the time, Chucky had um, he was riding in another facility, and his dad always took him to the facility. And um, that particular evening of Chucky's lessons, his sister took him because his dad was doing something else, and. Chucky, they had dismounted him from the horse, and he fell under the horse because his sister didn't know how to dismount him. And um, the center decided that, you know, he was too much of an insurance risk and that he could no longer ride there, which was devastating because Chucky lives for his horse time. And he was at the time, he's an autistic young man, and he was... Well, I can't share a diagnosis. Oh, okay. But um, he is severely impaired. Okay. And he is verbal, and... and he, um, we work on his communication skills and promoting more independence in his action. So those are the goals that we work with. So we, we don't expect family members to dismount their horses, mount their children. We don't, we don't expect family members to horse lead or sidewalk. staff that are trained in, in that. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. So we'll just get that out of the way right there. We have trained staff to conduct lessons. So uh, Chucky's grandfather came to me and said, when you, you know, when you get started, will you bring Chucky in as one of your riders? And I said, absolutely. So as time passed, uh, Chucky's grandfather passed away, and then uh, they moved his, his grandmother away. So they were no longer my neighbors, but I've stayed in touch with the family all these years. And so Chuck's da Chucky's dad and I have been corresponding, and he said, when you have a horse big enough, because now we had started, mm -hmm. and he said, when you have a horse big enough, let me know. I'd like to have Chucky ride. So in 2008, we, were, we had Victor donated to us, and Victor is 16.2 hands high. He's a big boy. He's big. So he can accommodate our larger riders. Mm -hmm. And so it was an instant love affair with Chucky and Victor. They have been friends since the fall of 2008. Uh, Chucky actually comes once a week with his dad, and they take care of the horses in the morning. And you know, he's always in Victor's stall, mm -hmm. making sure that he's nice and clean. And, and Chucky comes a little bit early for his lesson, and he helps get Victor ready for lessons as well. But then after the lesson, he untacks Victor and takes the, his saddle back up to 
the barn. So uh, Chucky's very interested in what we do with Victor, and he's a big part of Victor's care during the week. One of the things that impressed me most about Victor and Chucky is not only Chucky's growth as far as communication and his exercising of his independent skills, because now he just goes and leads the horse. He doesn't need any help doing it. He, he can do it all. Is early on in, in their relationship, uh, we had this tremendous snowfall, and it was really hard getting the snow off the roof of the arena. So when the sun would come out and it would heat the roof, then it, big chunks would slide off. And Chucky and and Victor were having a riding lesson and just as they got to the door a giant slab of snow fell off the roof and just hit the ground with a big whoomp and Victor was startled mm -hmm. and he didn't move he didn't he just stood stock still so you know Chucky didn't fall off because Chucky mm -hmm. was startled too and they they looked after each other which was really cool to see a horse have a relationship like that with his rider that by standing still he was protecting his rider even though he didn't know that you know probably a thousand pounds of snow just fell off the roof and crashed three feet from him mm -hmm. didn't didn't, didn't bond, dump him that bond is amazing <laughs> it is that's it's just amazing to watch the it, it's not just one-sided it's just it's not just us as human beings that receive something from from the, the horse or an animal in general but but that they sometimes are getting something too. Oh, absolutely. The the woman that donated Foxy and Buttons to us is coming to visit on Saturday. She and I got to be friends uh, through a professional association that we belong to. She lives up near Altoona in Pennsylvania. And when we lost Crystal, she contacted me and she <coughs> said, I know it's too soon, but when you're ready, let me know I have the perfect horse for you. And I thanked her, and we made it through the winter with just four horses. So in the spring, when I called her, I said, okay, I'm ready for your horse. She, she said, oh, by the way, her best friend's a mini. Do you want her? And I, <laughs> I told her, I need a mini like I need a hole in my head. And she said, but she's cute. And I said, well, no doubt she's cute. She's got to work. So our team came up with a list of things that we could do with a mini in, in April of 2016. Yeah. We went up to Altoona and picked them up. But what's so nice about it is when Georgette comes to visit on Saturday afternoon, and it's just going to be a quick visit because she's going between places and coming through Maryland, and she always makes sure that she stops at the farm to see Foxy and Buttons is, she'll stand at the fence and she does a wolf whistle like nobody's business, and those two will come running to her because they remember her. Mm -hmm. They spent 14 years... She had a, a she has a beautiful rancher uh, nestled in a valley up on a mountain uh, in Altoona, and um, you know she lived in their in her backyard basically for 14 years. So the horses remember; mm -hmm. they remember the kindnesses. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember in Harry and Snowman that great documentary we yes. saw that Snowman was the horse that. Uh, yes. Great story. Watch that documentary, uh, Jen. But he, the Snowman, would like show up at Harry's house with a, a piece of the fencing <laughs> fence railing. <'cause laughs> he tied a tire to him, and he still <laughs> jumped the fence. Now, that that really does, you know, if, when you talk about animals in general, a lot of them, especially those are to, that are rescued, just like Snowman was rescued off a slaughter truck, uh, they know. Mm -hmm. They know. And our horses are all donated to us. So they come from loving homes. They're on their second and third careers, and they have issues. <laughs> Not going to lie. Do. Exactly. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't have issues is pretty well medicated. Is, is lying to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we work with it. We manage it. And their overall health is wonderful. It's just, you know, we just adjust as we need to. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, I just want to end it with uh, one thing I love talking about Chucky and Victor is Meg. Uh, Meg Abbott, who was on your team. Yes, yes. Um, and she's a registered therapeutic riding stroke. She has a quote here that says, one of my favorite things about Chucky is how while riding he's constantly telling his horse, Victor, what a good horse he is. And he does. He does. And that's part of Chucky's um, extemporaneous speech. A lot of the kids we work with struggle with initiating conversation. And Chucky has a running conversation with Victor every single day. 
and it's really cool. It's fun to listen to. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. <laughs> well, we're going to finish up CTR Changing Lives Award. Kathy Schmidt, Ch Chesapeake Therapeutic Riding, um, Facebook. Uh, is is uh, easy to go to. What the hell's the Facebook again? CTR, and then Abingdon, Maryland. Okay, on Facebook, check it out. You'll be glad you did, and you'll probably have a lot of ideas for um, for either bringing a client or a group of clients to CTR, or figuring out a way to volunteer or, or help financially or uh, other uh, things. Once you just take uh, take a quick look at this herd and uh, all the things that they do. So uh, thank you, Kathy. Oh, thank you, Bob. Thank you, Jen. I really appreciate coming in today. And, and we're going to do 30 seconds because we promised a little education for folks. <laughs> and this is uh, how not to get a job. <laughs> and these are actually interviewers saying some of the things interviewees did during the interview. She wore a Walkman, explaining that she could listen to the interviewer and the music at the same time. <laughs> Brought a hamburger and fries, said she hadn't had lunch, and ate it on the interviewer's desk. Wow. Um, balding candidate, excused himself and returned to the office a few minutes later wearing a head hairpiece. <laughs> um, Ask me, why do you want references? <laughs> <laughs> and do I have to dress like this for the next interview? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, and would it be a problem if I'm angry most of the time? Oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So I don't know where you go with that one, but. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for the Harford Edge. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>